Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back. This is Consider This Northumberland and I'm your host Robert Washburn and you're listening to Northumberland 89.7 FM. The death of George Floyd ignited an explosion of anti-racism protests around the world, including Northumberland County. He was the American man who died at the hands of the Minneapolis police last spring. Demonstrations were held in Coburg and in Port Hope and there was a flurry of statements by local politicians and community leaders condemning racist behavior. In September, Coburg Council decided to take it a step further. It launched an equity, diversity, and inclusion project that will confront discrimination in the community. Currently, it is looking for public input on a proposed advisory committee as well as a direction on what needs to be done. Here is my interview with Councillor Emily Chorley, who is behind this new advisory committee of council to deal with issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion. I'm so pleased to have with me today Emily Chorley, the counselor who is behind a new advisory committee of council to deal with issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Welcome back to Consider This. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. Let me start by asking, do we discriminate in the town of Coburg? In other words, do we have people or institutions that treat people differently due to their race, gender, income, physical abilities, or sexual orientation? Wow, that's a challenging question. Um, I think it's important for us to be able to answer that question through a, a program that's going to be designed to really listen, listen to what people's experiences are in the community. Um, the short answer, I think, is that in our community and in our country, we are not immune to the problems that we've seen south of the border in terms of race relations. And we need to be very deliberate about making sure that we are an inclusive community and that we are combating racism in an active way. So that's really my hope in uh, bringing forward to council um, a policy on equity, diversity, and inclusion, and which is now going to be a wider program. So I'm really excited about that. How prevalent do you think it is? I I think that's really difficult to say. Um, I don't honestly know the answer to that. All I know is my own personal experience. So as a woman of mixed race, Uh, Both my parents are immigrants to Canada. My mom is from Guyana in South America. My dad is from England. Um, And I think uh, for the most part, growing up in Northumberland County, I've had a great experience and our family has received a lot of support. I think for the most part, we are an inclusive community here in Coburg. That's really, that's been my experience. Um, But there are incidences that I'm aware of and that's not everyone's experience. And I think there can be a level of unconscious bias sometimes. Um, I think maybe uh, things that can can be just below the surface that really need to uh, be unearthed and need to be addressed. So I don't really know how prevalent it is, um, but I'm hoping that we're going to start to gauge that by opening up these conversations. Can you share an experience where either you or someone you know has experienced discrimination? Yeah, the, the number one example that comes to mind, and this is a, a historical example, but one that really impacted my family, 
was when my mom and dad first moved to Northumberland County in the late 1970s. Um, I know my mom, this was before I was born, but she um, is very much a visible minority, um, a racialized woman, a woman of, of color, and she applied for a job that she was overqualified for. And the hiring manager said to her directly, I'm sorry, I cannot hire you because I would lose my clients. And she was really shocked. She was really, you know, it really hit her hard. But we look back, I know this is something I've, um, I've, I've learned about from my parents. And I think as a family, we look back on that incident. Um, it was life-changing because it was the moment when my parents said to each other, you know what, we're going to create, we're going to start our own business and we're going to shape our own destiny. And they've successfully run their business in Northumberland County for 40 years now. Um, so it's not something that my mom dwells on, but I know that it's kind of um, given her determination in a way to prove that hiring manager wrong. And I think she's done that. So um, it's, it's, it's personal to me in that sense. I think I'd like to think that we don't have that level of discrimination taking place in our community anymore. Uh, we'll find out about that, I think, as we start to ask people in our community what their experiences have been. Um, but uh, for my family, uh, that was really, that was the low point. And from then forward, uh, they've received so much support from the community. So it's, um, I think, I think we're really dealing with a mixed situation. We also have so many people in our community who are champions of inclusion. And um, I find that really heartwarming. So what is the Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Committee initiative? Well, the initiative really started um, back in July when Councillor Adam Bureau and myself put forward a, a motion to Council asking for an equity, diversity and inclusion policy. And this was uh, something I'd been thinking about for a long time, for really over a year. Um, the idea first came to me when I attended the AMO conference in Ottawa last year in 2019. And I was listening to what other municipalities have done in terms of their policies and uh, inclusion strategies. And I knew there was a need for this in Coburg. Um, and then again, seeing the Black Lives Matters movement really uh, grow this year and rightfully so and seeing the turnout to, to that, uh, that protest that we had in Coburg earlier this year, um, I felt that the time was right. And uh, it's a responsibility that we have as a community to make sure we're being deliberate about tackling, um, tackling these issues. Um, so it's kind of grown from there. So where we initially asked for a policy, uh, then our legislative services department really got behind this idea and came to council in, um, in September, suggesting that we pursue a wider plan and um, we're starting to see that plan take shape. Council endorsed the idea. So uh, there's many elements to it, but um, for example, Coburg is going to be signing up to membership in um, a UNESCO-led organization called the Coalition of Inclusive Municipalities. And that's really a forum for sharing ideas about how to create inclusive communities and what kind of policies and programs we can put in place to achieve that. There's plans for increased training, training of staff, um, making sure we've got strong hiring practices in place, removing unconscious bias. We're gonna really undertake a listening exercise 
And we've started to do that through engagecoburg.ca, but asking the community what their experiences are. There's gonna be benchmarking, and that's gonna be using global diversity and inclusion benchmarks to really understand where are we at within the town of Coburg? What's our current level of diversity and, and cultural inclusion? And um, we're going to start uh, having confidential focus groups with key stakeholders in the community, internally and externally, to understand really where are we at and what do we need to do? And as you mentioned already, having an advisory uh, committee uh, just focused on diversity and inclusion that can provide advice to council on the kind of programs and the kind of, um, the kind of uh, activities we should be doing to, to move forward on this. When I was reading through the reports though, I was struck by the fact that this is not just about race, that it's about gender, that it's about physical abilities, it's about sexual orientation. Can you talk a bit about how that's being integrated into this initiative? Yeah, absolutely. This isn't just about racialized individuals or visible minorities. It's about the LGBTQ community and making sure that they are welcomed in our community. It's about gender equality. So making sure, for example, one, one thing I would like to see us do is being deliberate about closing the gender pay gap, knowing that the town of Coburg is a major employer in the area. We have a responsibility to, again, set the tone and set the example, um, ensuring we have proper representation on our boards and our committees. We still have some advisory committees. We have a police services board that's all male at the moment. So we need to take stock of that, ensuring that our facilities and our services are equally accessible to women. And I think also encouraging women in leadership roles, especially as elected officials. Um, this is about including those people with disabilities. So for me, this is about going beyond our statutory requirements. So under AOTA, the provincial legislation, we already have an accessibility advisory committee um, and they really are focused on making sure that we are following the, the rules set out for us by the province. But with this program, I want us to go further. I want us to be able to respond to the particular needs of those individuals with disabilities in our community. Um, it could be about social inclusion, for example. And one thing I'm interested in is making sure that we have clear development standards for new buildings, ideally encouraging universal design that, that fosters social inclusion. This is also about our First Nations and Indigenous communities, building relationships, acknowledging and honoring their place in our community. Um, Councillor Beattie, uh, in her first year on council, she brought forward a motion asking for us to make sure we have a land acknowledgement statement at the beginning of our council meetings and that's in the works and I know she's reached out to Alder, Alderville First Nations so building those relationships is really important and this um, as we've already talked about is also about racialized invisible minorities and making sure that we are building a workforce I think that reflects the diversity that we do have in our community. Do you think this initiative coming forward, you talked about gender balance, is significant in the fact that we have the largest number of women who are serving on council in our history? It is significant, and I think it's something to be proud of. Um, but in reality, at all levels of government, municipal, provincial, federal, on average, women represent about 25% of elected officials. And I think that current elected officials have a responsibility and a role in encouraging women actually to consider running for their local councils or for other elected positions, consider putting themselves forward for leadership roles. 
and we need to close that gap. We need to get up to 50%. Now, I look and see that you've hired an individual on staff with a title uh, related to this equity, diversity, and inclusion, Jamie Kramer. Can you tell us a bit about that part of the initiative? Well, it really just uh, fell into place because uh, Jamie's role was originally envisioned to work on accessibility issues. And we knew that in the town of Coburg, we have a ways to go to meeting all of our accessibility requirements under that uh, provincial legislation. And so in the 2020 budget, council did create um, a temporary position as accessibility coordinator. And it just so happened, Jamie came on board in September and she brought with her a wealth of experience, not just in accessibility, but also in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so she's been able to take on this mantle really and run with it. And she's just in a short period of time done a tremendous amount of work to move this forward and put together a timeline for how we're gonna develop this um, equity, diversity, and inclusion strategy. And um, we're making terrific progress uh, thanks to the, just the injection of um, experience and skills that she's brought to the town of Coburg. Can you give us some examples of the groups, uh, particularly the marginalized, underrepresented, underserved groups that are going to be consulted during this process? Well, I think at this stage, we're still um, going through a process of identifying all of the groups that will be consulted. And um, I just take this opportunity to say, if there's anyone out there who would like to be a part of that, please feel free to get in touch with me. Um, but one group I really think we need to consult, we need to remember we've got a, a community of refugees in Coburg, and I would really like to see us as local government make sure that we are reaching out and building bridges and um, making sure that we are delivering services that reach, reach everyone, reach our refugee community, knowing that uh, for those refugees in particular, a lot of them coming from Syria where they've had terrible experiences of um, the use of force uh, under the Assad regime, abuse of power, the, the lack of trust that they have in government and law enforcement is deep, deeply ingrained and you can understand that from their experiences. And so we really need to be aware of that and try and build that trust with that, with that community in particular. So, so that's um, something that I've been involved in. I have been, um, played a role in one of the organizing committees that sponsored and supported Syrian refugees coming to our community. So I know a number of the families and um, that, that's actually been quite a motivator for me in, in this entire endeavor. What could the town do internally to improve its inclusiveness? Internally, um, we need to start with those conversations, you know, those tough conversations. And part of what Jamie Kramer has suggested is that we're actually gonna do leadership interviews and Jamie will conduct them. And that means with all of council and with all of our leadership team to understand exactly where is everyone at in terms of their, um, their kind of cultural inclusion. And that will help to shape exactly what kind of training we all need. And I, I think that's really important. Um, so that means we're taking stock of where we're at. Um, internally, we really need to look at our hiring policies and our practices and just making sure that they are weeding out any chance of unconscious bias. Um, all of this is really about awareness and a training and making sure that we have solid policies and procedures in place. And I'll just give a very small example, but 
Again, having Jamie Kramer as our accessibility coordinator, um, recently she was added to an internal working group, um, the development review team. So anytime there are applications for new developments, there are a group from Public Works, from the um, Planning and Development um, uh, Department. There are different uh, engineers, people around the table, but now Jamie will also be around the table to provide that accessibility lens at a very early stage reviewing these applications. So if there are any issues, she can flag that to the Accessibility Advisory Committee. So these are small procedural changes that we can make internally to make sure that we're applying this this lens to everything that we do. Back when George Floyd died in the spring, there was an outcry locally and around the world. And I saw a quote from a Black Lives Matter organizer from Oxford County, which as you know, is in Southwestern Ontario. And she said, and I'm quoting her, those of us living in rural areas are better at concealing racism. Is she right? That's very interesting. Um, our <laughs> Yeah, I think um, there's probably a lot of truth in that. And it, I think it's easier to conceal racism when you're living within a community that tends to be a little bit more homogenous. Um, we, we have a little less diversity in, in rural communities, um, but I would say actually we are becoming more and more diverse all the time. And statistically, we can see that in Coburg, those who identify as a visible minority statistically are increasing in 2016 in the census up to 4.2%. So um, is it easier to conceal? I think it is. And I think that's, that's what I mean when I say that there, there can be some biases under the surface. And um, as local government, I, I would like to think that we are going to shine a light on some of those. It can be a little bit challenging but we are going to kickstart those conversations so that um, it won't be so easy to hide anymore. There was a race relations survey done in 2019 that said that rural residents are amongst the group of Canadians who are most likely to believe discrimination is no longer a problem in Canada. What does your experience tell you? I think um, my experience tells me that people who've experienced discrimination are very reluctant to talk about it, especially in a rural community where they are very much the minority. And, um, and that's something that we need to recognize is that if we feel that racism isn't a problem in our community, it's probably because people don't feel comfortable sharing their stories. And that means that all of us have a, a lack of awareness of what people are really experiencing. Um, so again, we, we have to take those steps to open up those conversations and create a safe place for people to share their stories. If they feel that that needs to be done in a way that's confidential, then we need to give them the opportunity to do that. Sometimes it's hard to get our heads around what's going on in the community. I mean, you get the report in the news about racist graffiti in Harwood and Port Hope last month, and we learn from TSN in a report in July that a 16-year-old Pickering Panthers player faced a racial slur from an opposing player from Northumberland Nighthawk during a game in November of 2018. It seems like things happen and there's an immediate reaction, but there's always this undercurrent going on. How do you think we need to start dealing with this undercurrent? I mean, I'm even aware of a group of people associated with Northumberland players 
who have wrapped around one of their members who has been racialized and is experiencing ongoing long-term racism in her neighborhood and in the community at large. Now they've been meeting to support this person, but they're also outraged and they want to see change. So what do you say to this person and to the others who are facing this overt racism in the community? Well, first of all, I would just say how sorry I am that they've experienced that. And um, it's painful when you live in a community and you feel that you aren't really welcomed or you aren't really a part of that community. And it's, but it's also heartwarming to hear that there are people who feel very strongly that they want to battle against that kind of racism and that they want to wrap around and support people who've experienced that. And um, I think that tone is so important. And as a member of council, I'm aware that for every elected official, the tone that we set is important to the rest of the community. And we've seen in the United States, the Trump administration and the tone that they've set and the impact that that's had on race relations in the US. And I think here in Coburg, as a council, we've agreed we are gonna set a different tone. And I would like to think that that would help to anyone who has some of those uh, biases under the surface to start to challenge that. And I think as we start to share, as people who have experienced racism, as we start to share those experiences, um, it will help other people to be empathetic and to maybe realize the impact of that. And it's also about relationship building. I mean, I just think there's so much value in having relationships with people who are of a different background, um, who have different culture, cultural practices. And um, if we can facilitate those connections in our community, that's a, that's a very powerful way of battling against some of these racist undertones. What assurances can you give these people as our political leaders that efforts will be made to bring about change? Well, I'm just, I feel so enthusiastic about the, um, the progress that we've made this year. What went from a uh, notice of motion from Councillor Bureau and myself um, for a policy has really grown because uh, I think, I think there, there's a recognition internally within the town of Coburg that we need this. And there are individuals in the town who want to champion this. And so we have made progress and we are making progress. I believe the draft policy will probably be ready to come before council in December. So I really encourage the community to watch for that, have a look at the policy, provide your feedback. And I want to just say that right now on engagecoburg.ca, there is a public consultation underway beginning to ask the, the public um, for their feedback on the terms of reference for that advisory committee. And also, if there's anyone who's interested in serving on that advisory committee, certainly please make yourself known to the town of Coburg. Feel free to email me. Um, and we're also asking the public to start to share their experiences. What are their experiences of discrimination in the community, of racism? Maybe what are their positive experiences as well? So um, those conversations are underway. The policy is in development. Um, the wider strategy is, is beginning to come together and it's got tangible actions in it. And we're gonna be tracking our progress as well. And I think that's important. Having regular reporting back to council and back to the community so that this isn't gonna become a tokenistic exercise. We wanna really build this 
into the fabric of our practices as local government and building trust with the community. Now you can do all of this, but much of what we're talking about is something that resides inside people. It's what they believe. And we see so many examples of divisiveness of people in a post-truth world. Do you think creating an advisory body and its ongoing works are going to change what's in some people's hearts? How do you avoid this becoming just window dressing? That's a very good question, Rob. And I don't know if we can change people's hearts. Um, I think there, there is a limit to the reach that government has. And um, we have to remember that people also have a, a degree of freedom um, to have the views that, you know, that they hold. But I think we, our role is really to um, set out some principles um, and show through our example, um, through our conduct, through the way we are structuring our programs and our outreach and the conversations that we're having, that we are setting a tone and saying that we are an inclusive and welcoming community. And we're going to be deliberate about that. Um, we're not going to be oppressive and we can't change everyone. Um, but sometimes it's about exposure and giving a platform, giving um, um, minority groups and those with disabilities and um, those within, um, within our Indigenous community, giving them a platform, um, inviting them to come to to council, to our advisory committees, hearing from them, celebrating the diversity that we have in our community, it gives everyone an opportunity to connect with that, maybe where they haven't had that opportunity before. And I think that's, that's really powerful. We can't solve everything, um, but there's a lot that we can do to make sure that we are inclusive and inclusivity is really the backbone of a strong community. Councillor Emily Chorley, I truly appreciate you talking to me today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, Rob. That was my conversation with Coburg Councillor Emily Chorley. If you want to give your input into the project, you can go to the Engage Coburg website at engagecoburg.ca. That's engagecoburg, all one word, lowercase, dot ca, to make suggestions or give the town a call. I want to thank both my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com. Or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.